0: hi my name is emma Renley. i'm here with samantha metzner riley lubich and we're here for a poem analysis from the newest and hottest book come into your moab shelves poems for Ex lover volume three wheel of the year samantha why don't you say hello and give an introduction to who you are and your contribution to the book?
1: Hey, yeah, thanks so much for bringing us together, Emma, and big thanks to KZMU for having us on. Um, yeah, my name's Sam. I'm a local artist here. I was one of the editors for the book, um, and I also have some art in the book as well. Um, so stoked to be here uh, with our poem analysis for Valentine's Day. Riley, why don't you give an introduction about who you are and how you contributed to the book?
2: My name is Riley Lubich. I am also a local artist and I contributed the cover artwork and a couple of photos within the book.
0: Can you give an in-depth description of what the cover art looks like?
2: So the cover of the book is a copy of a block print that I did. It's a snake. It's like a black snake. That's all coiled up with scales and it's got some bright red poppies in the background
0: and in the middle it says poems for ex-lovers. The wheel of the year is a calendar marking the change of seasons through the chief solar events. Solstices like midsummer, equinoxes like spring equinox and the midpoints in between. So for this book we wanted to celebrate breaking the cycles we found ourselves in each date celebrates the sun's cycle of growth from its birth in the spring to the death over winter. These moments offer us a chance to pause, reflect, and set intentions for the following months. As we peer into the past, do we like what we see? Does it represent the future we want? It's said that we're the sum of our five closest relationships. When we take a step back, are we happy with the equation outcome? Poetry is its own medicine, a millennium of herbs and prose that helps give a glimpse into the patterns we found ourselves in. Sometimes we may get stuck on a page in our book rereading the same line, hoping it turns out differently. It never does, so here's to turning the page, paddling out of that eddy, and allowing ourselves to grow with the sun. We can't change the past, but we can allow ourselves to breathe fresh air into the next chapter of our lives. For the poem analysis, we've chosen seven poems featured throughout the book that we're going to read to you. The first poem we have is titled Juicy. You found me in a grocery store amongst a pile of apples, new and shiny, soft and hard, juicy and delicious. You brought me home, set me on the counter, and walked away. Three days later, you returned, cursing that the apple wasn't a clementine, so you left, forgot put me in the fridge, my insides began to rot, the maggots crawled over my skin, consuming the sweetness until the pending doom. I was never a clementine. (sighs) So I feel like this poem reflects the expectations of a relationship that went wrong, and in turn it truly hurt the author who was put on a pedestal. While The other person initially thought that it was perhaps the best apple that they've ever seen. They have to ask themselves the question, was it really an apple I wanted in the first place? And perhaps the author's attempt at becoming an apple or wishing that they were an apple made themselves smaller when, you know, my insides began to rot. Mm -hmm. And so the author wasn't their fullest self being with this person.
1: Yeah. I feel like this is kind of just like a classic example of projection, right? Of like someone who wants their partner to be something and they put all of that on them. And then when their partner isn't that thing, then they just push them away or they make excuses, right? When really they kind of just need to do their own inner work perhaps. And I think, yeah, that can happen a lot, right? Especially when we're not like truly in tune with ourselves and what we want, and what we're desiring. And more often than not, that can really kind of come out sideways at the other person. So I think for me, this poem is just kind of a reminder to like, I don't know, remember what one truly wants and what one is truly looking for and like, yeah, how you're able to serve yourself versus pushing it onto another person, right? Because when you're not able to meet your own expectations and you just push it onto someone else, that's just a recipe for disaster. And like both folks or all the parties involved just end up being, yeah, disappointed or feeling like they aren't enough perhaps yeah I
2: totally hear all of that and I at the same time like when I read this poem all I can think about is like when you go to the grocery store and you buy a bunch of groceries and it's everything that you want at the time and then you take it home and you put it all away and then like a day later you come back and you're like god I I never wanted any of this food (laughs) like I thought I wanted an apple while I was at the grocery store but now all I want is a clementine and that says to me a lot about like how our you know our wants and our needs change over time too and like maybe the author really did want an apple when they were at the grocery store and they thought that that was going to be the perfect snack and that they were going to be so excited about it for the rest of the week when they like went to eat their apples and then they wake up the next morning and it turns out like Oh, I really
1: do want a Clementine,
2: you know. Like,
1: yeah, it's like when I go to the grocery store when I'm hangry and just get crackers and bitch and sauce instead, and it's not nourishing. But it's my own fault, right? Because I didn't really know what I needed or what I wanted. So true, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the we have empathy for both the author as well as perhaps the person yeah. that the author wrote about.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you know, like we all grow and change in relationships, and you can't really fight that that's not something that you can just like wish away or like work your way out of everybody grows and changes and sometimes like we just end up not being the right people for each other anymore and that's just the way it is Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah beautiful poem yeah i think that leads us really nicely into the next poem um so this one's called motionless i lie motionless in my bed save for the swipe of my finger hoping to catch a glance of a stranger turned to a friend, a friend turned lover, lover turned back to stranger, silently waiting for sleep to take me away. (laughs) I love this poem. I think it's a really nice kind of snapshot of what it's like to be in like a contemporary um, relationship, right? It like truly fits into the time capsule of modern dating um where in a way like our technology is kind of disintegrating intimacy right like we have this connection with someone and there's intimacy maybe there's love involved maybe there's a lot of care and contentment whatever it may be um and then all of a sudden that person who was your lover um is just now a stranger right just because of this kind of just like okay you know deciding maybe this person doesn't work for me and it's almost like you just kind of like pick them up and throw them in the trash a little bit right just kind of thinking Mm -hmm. about like I don't know just viewing people as maybe just like these images on a screen right like especially with tinder and hinge and things like that just like swiping your finger through like looking at these pictures like you can't fit a human into a snapshot right like that mm-hmm. and I think it's it can be tough when we kind of get into the pattern of trying to do that to ourselves and others and we're not able to see um, the whole person and then also to kind of thinking about social media right like being able to kind of check in on other people's lives as they go and just like seeing a little snapshot of their lives, right? We're not intimate with them anymore. We don't like see them in person anymore, but we're still able to kind of like see these little Mm. squares with them on it and kind of have all of these imaginations or fantasies or whatever it may be about that person, right? But there's still like this objectified thing. There's still this this image on a screen that we're not really truly connecting with right and I think that kind of says a lot about like our culture of um
0: disconnect disconnect yeah Yeah. it's almost
2: like we like create this illusion of intimacy in our minds by (laughs) looking at the looking at these people's little pieces of these people's life on a screen you know I have a ton of friends quote-unquote friends on the internet on Instagram that I feel like I like truly know but I couldn't pick them out of a crowd you know if I was in a room with them I might not recognize them because I've never met them in real life I've never even had a conversation with them but you have this idea of intimacy because you like build up this story about this person in your head you know
0: oh gosh yeah I mean they're so much happier without me They're already seeing someone else. Who's that person on their Instagram? And then you go kind of down the rabbit hole. And so I've kind of found myself in situations where I just, as you both know, I just block them. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't mind seeing them, but because perhaps I need the space on my own, uh, like, internet away from them.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think this does kind of, like, capture some longing And nostalgia as well, right? Of just kind of being able to sit with, yeah, again, like the idea of this person and maybe still kind of like reminisce a little bit about about them as well. Um, But it is, yeah, I think, again, just kind of the line, hoping to catch a glance of a stranger turned to a friend, a friend turned to a lover, Lover turned back to stranger again. I think that really kind of exemplifies sometimes what happens in our modern, modern dating culture of just yeah. kind of, yeah, letting these people just like be disposable in a way, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. Um, and I think I wanted to go back to that line too, because I feel like
2: that line is just so indicative of like, again, like we were talking about this disintegration of intimacy or whatever that it almost becomes easier to when somebody starts off to you as just like a picture on a screen unattached to a actual human person and a body
1: Mm -hmm.
2: it can be so much easier to forget to see them in all of their humanity when you get to know them right like if you decide like oh maybe this person isn't for me it's so easy to just go back to this person is just a picture on a screen and they're so easy to let go
0: yeah and are they even real
2: yeah which kind of brings us to the (laughs) next
0: poem Uh, To the ones I lost, Riley, if you'd like to go.
2: Sure. All right, so this poem is called To the ones I lost. It's so funny to me how we went from two strangers floating around one night to a shy curiosity and then fervently, intimately exploring the lines and curves our bodies made together as if we created a complex math equation only rigorous attention could solve. And now, after all, that knowing we shared, I feel like a stranger again, but maybe one known, in a past life veiled by fog familiar but forgotten. Left thinking, was it even real?
1: Yeah, like I, I think, again, this kind of relates to the theme of kind of almost dehumanizing one another and kind of lacking the courage to be vulnerable and see each other as truly human. And kind of, I, I really think it touches on um, how it can be easier to simply shut down and move on versus actually kind of celebrating what love can do for us, right? I think kind of... Um, quoting bell hooks's book all about love she talks a lot about how loving is a radical act right it's a radical act to open your heart it's a radical act to be seen and see another person and i think when we just kind of like go back to seeing one another as strangers after sharing a lot of intimacy that is um in a way not very courageous i think right because it kind Mm -hmm. of just disregards each other's humanity and feelings and compassion for one another right and I think you know relationships are transient life is transient nothing truly lasts in life and I think um, being able to kind of allow yourself to be truly seen for a moment um, and open your heart and love whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship um, that's a truly courageous act but it can be hard to continue to let your heart be open even when that's done and it's just easier Mm -hmm. to kind of yeah shut the door on that and then just go back to being strangers because it's a lot easier to just again like shut the door throw the person in the trash move on with your life not having to look back not having to kind of acknowledge um, maybe what was was really nice and even though it didn't last like that's okay and yeah maybe you don't necessarily want to be in touch with that person or be a stranger again but I think just acknowledging each other's humanity is really important I think that this poem just kind of touches on um yeah like modern dating culture a little bit about how many people um in some ways kind of lack perhaps that courage again um Or honesty. Or honesty, yeah. Or honesty to, like, truly see each other. Yeah,
2: and we're, like, you know, even though it may be, like, the comfy thing to do to be able to just, like, shut it down and say, you know what, that was in the past. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to, like, feel that anymore. It's easier to just, like, as, as they say, like, a fog familiar but forgotten or whatever, you know, like, it's maybe not the comfy thing to do to sit in those feelings. It's maybe easier to... Shut the door and say, I don't want to have this person be a part of my life anymore. And it's like easier to throw them away or whatever. But it's if we don't take those steps of courage to be able to like still sit in those feelings and honor those feelings and the experiences that we had, we're like really missing out on a huge part of the human experience. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think also, too, kind of taking the time perhaps to, um, Find some closure, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing, too, that this poem kind of touches on. But also, as well, sometimes sometimes not having closure is closure within itself, too. And I think that that does need to be acknowledged as well.
2: I totally agree with that, because, like, I don't know, is closure even really real? Like, does closure really exist? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can tell ourselves we have closure, but those you know everything all of those experiences that you had with that person continue to build you into the person that you are and the places that you're going to go and they're always going to have an effect on you
0: in some way yeah just like the human experience it's very natural for us to continuously move and be transient i think the river is another example of that which brings us to our next poem a river i lost riley take it away (laughs)
2: A river I lost. Love can be a river plunging deepest near the falls. I found a river once; it seemed unique amongst them all. I bathed in its waters, swam in delight, in hopes it would never change. I lost a river who was my lover. The canyons know their name. So I th- personally think this poem is really, really beautiful. I love the imagery in it. Um, one of the things that strikes me the most is. The first little stanza, the first couple of lines, love can be a river plunging deepest near the falls, really, to me, harkens to this idea of how things can be the most dangerous when they get the most vulnerable. You know, like as we're – or they can have the feeling of being the most dangerous or there's the most potential for things to go wrong when we open ourselves up to possibilities and like open ourselves up to – deep feelings and deep experiences and meaningful connection it's maybe like the apex of the human experience being able to like feel those deep feelings and connections and at the same time it's also when you have the most potential for hurt or disaster you know um which i you know it can be really scary love and connection can be really scary and it can also be the most beautiful part too like the waterfall is the most beautiful and exciting part of the river The other piece that really stands out to me about this poem is the lines I bathed in its water, swam in delight, in hopes it would never change. And just the idea of how, like, kind of silly and fruitless it seems to hold on, try and hold on to a river, you know, like, try and hold on to the idea that a river's never going to change because a river's true nature is change it is constantly moving and it's ever changing it's ever expanding and flowing mm-hmm. it just it doesn't you know it doesn't make sense but it's what we all want to do we want to hold on to the things that we love and the things that feel good and are beautiful the way that they are and sometimes that can lead to us losing them in the end you know trying to like grab at water you're not going to be able to hold on to it and you're going to
1: lose the experience um damn thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah Robbing i mean water <laughs> i think that this one's really interesting too right i think you really hit the nail on the head with that analysis right kind of thinking about how it is um some people may say you know like humans nature is to kind of like grasp for things right like and it's that make re- us feel secure that make yeah. us feel secure that make us feel good and it can be really hard um to acknowledge that nothing lasts right and it can be so hard like you're saying to be in this beautiful thing this amazing thing be really fully deeply feeling these feelings and not be afraid of those things right it's Mm -hmm. like so easy to want to pull back from the waterfall to turn around to try and paddle as hard as you can upstream to get away from it um, because it's scary but it's also like such a beautiful thing like you're saying Um, and I think just really trying to kind of find that balance of You know, like I mentioned earlier, being brave, being vulnerable, being courageous, opening your heart, and also knowing I may get hurt, Mm -hmm. and that's okay, and I am strong, and I will get through it, right? And I think that can be a really challenging thing, and I think feeling these deep feelings like love, again, whether it's romantic or platonic, but being able to love fully and truly is a terrifying but beautiful and vulnerable and courageous thing. Absolutely. There's one one more thing about this poem that I wanted
2: to hit on to is the canyon imagery at the end. Um, I lost a river who was my lover. The canyons know their name. There is this like... Echo. Yeah, Echo. yeah, Echo. exactly. There's this beautiful idea of what what it really brings to mind for me is like how canyons tell the story of the past, you know, like the, can- the river itself is always going to be changing and it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be what it was before, but you can look at the canyon and see the story of who the river was in the past and it you know like these big canyon walls these big rocks hold the memories of our past like holds the memories of the writer's past relationships and past feelings and
0: Mm -hmm. everything you both explained the poem so well I mean for me at face value, it's like, whoa, look at this waterfall. Like, let's take that leap of faith. Like, I'm going to run this waterfall. And even if it turns out horrible, I want to have a really cool photo of me running <laughs> this waterfall or in front of the waterfall. <laughs> uh, so I feel like this river poem brings us to the next river poem called Rock Ledge, which is another alliteration of river and love. Over the chatter of spring, summer starts to sing... Fall hushes and winter listens. Iron lines the path I choose. We built our home on a dry creek bed. I chink these walls with ash, mud, and straw, but the wind still howls through. Thirsty grasses pine for sorrow skies. Lightning runs from thunder's cries. Burden rivers bring these walls to crumble. Oh dear mother, make me humble. Feel like I'm a witch doing a potion. <laughs> So there's so many things I love about this poem and all the visualizations. One of the earlier sentences that stands out to me is, iron lines the path I choose. And so this makes me think that the author perhaps thought the relationship was originally going to withstand the seasons, Mm -hmm. and they think it would last. And that's why it's made out of iron, which is a metal. It's not made out of um, dirt.
2: Yeah, you don't pick iron for a project that is temporary (laughs) or
0: copper you know
2: copper (laughs) gold even
0: oh gosh gold lines the path i choose (laughs) but together they decided to build the home on a dry creek bed and so that makes me think that maybe perhaps there is some doubt in the relationship and its longevity because why would you build a home on a dry creek bed when the rain comes? Did you think it would never get bad? Did you think the storm would never pass through or come? Did you think the storm would never come through and it was just always going to be a dry creek bed? So perhaps when the going got tough? That's when both of them start to see the yeah. disintegration of a relationship, which yeah. brings us.
2: Or maybe you were, um, maybe you were almost just ignoring the signs. Yeah, like, yeah, mm, that's like what may- I was say. maybe there were signs that this relationship wasn't going to work in the first place, but you chose to ignore them. You chose to build in the dry creek bed anyway.
0: Which makes me wonder when the author chinked the walls with ash, mud, and straw. So none of that is iron, and on top of that but the wind still howls through. So there's holes in the wall that the author put there, and it makes me wonder, was this intentional or not? Did the author, you know, know that this was going to be doomed? Did they start seeing the holes in the relationship? Did they want it to continue? Did they want to hear the wind? And
2: also, they chink these walls with ash, mud, and straw, but the wind still howls through. Kind of, to me, what what I'm hearing is, like, I put everything into this Mm -hmm. but the wind is still howling through so like what is the problem basically like I chinked it and I filled all of the holes and I tried my hardest but there's still a break in this somewhere
1: yeah definitely and I think I want to add as well like um the phrase chinked like that verbiage that's a very specific building process meant to be very resilient right just like a little bit of background on that building process it's supposed to be resilient it's supposed to be weatherproof it's supposed to be strong um and so yeah, yeah like they
2: took the time and the care yeah. to go ahead and like fill all of the gaps with everything that they could but it's still but it's still
1: not failing. working yeah. yeah exactly
0: gosh I think this is my favorite poem in the book I'm not gonna lie <laughs> Yeah, it's so, it's so beautiful I love this yeah. one too
1: yeah, and then also just kind of like the transience of nature, right? I think the imagery of the seasons is very beautiful. Kind of, again, bringing back to that theme of nothing lasts. Everything is transient. Things change, but there's beauty in that. That's, I think, my one of my main takeaways as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And the line especially, oh, dear mother, make me humble. Humble.
0: Yeah, I am curious why the author put that line in there. It made me think that there is perhaps a lack of, you know, self-awareness when this relationship was being built. And, like, the author was so sure this relationship would last. Mm-hmm. And then when the storm came through, it's like, oh, you made me humble, Mother Nature. You made me humble, this situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. or being able to see maybe the red flags of building a home on a dry creek bed in retrospect, right? Like it's really easy to see things that perhaps were uh, red flags um, looking through rose-colored glasses, right? Like it's really easy to look at the past um, in a different way um, or it's really easy even to kind of in retrospect – perhaps see things that were warnings um, like the dry creek bed maybe you're standing in the dry creek bed and you're like oh wow this is super shallow like it's not that big a deal this wash is shallow when it rains it's not going to be that big yeah. a deal or the banks are really strong you know but or then, it, doesn't
2: ra- like or today, it doesn't look like rain or it doesn't look like rain today it doesn't seem like it's going to storm but right as, as it says in the poem like the thirsty
0: grass is pine for sorrow skies the storm's always going to come is your chinked house gonna withstand the storm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this change of seasons can also be on a smaller level in the change of days, which brings us to our next poem called Day to Day.
2: Day to Day. It was a Wednesday, you took another lover. It was a Thursday, just like any other. It was a Friday, one after another. Days fading, months pass. It was a year. Your name still engraved onto my heart. I am learning how to restart. I really love this poem. Um, I, I feel it on like a very deep and personal level. Just the idea of loss having this trajectory that's like, you know, you like you grieve something for an extended period of time and when you have a big loss Every single day and every single thing that you experience is a new milestone. Like each day can be almost like its own new breakup, its own new loss. It's they take another lover. Maybe you go on your like first trip to the grocery store without them. You (laughs) go on your first vacation alone. You have all you have just this like cascading chain of experiences that is each one feet can feel, like, just as big and just as exceptional as the original loss, but at the same time, it's just another day, mm-hmm. like, and every single day from there on after, you're probably going to continue to have, like, little bits of loss, but at the same time, even though it feels, like, so big and so monumental, it's just another day, and it's going to continue to just be another day forever,
0: you Yeah, know? Grief is yeah. definitely not linear. Yeah. I mean like you were saying earlier every day is a milestone regardless of how you know it may not feel like it at the time but mm-hmm. going to the grocery store by yourself is a big one or actually that's all i got um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i feel like this uh poem is definitely a kind of a reminder to be kind to yourself and even though it seems like it's just baby steps like you're getting there you're moving on you're learning you're growing we're all learning and growing
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I just love the overall theme of loss right like yeah you can continue on with your normal life and still be again having this grieving process that's not linear right like it was a Thursday just like any other but then again maybe the next one is really tough right and you're maybe feeling like the process is rewinding a little bit and then maybe fast forwarding and then playing out as normal um and I think, yeah, healing and grieving take time and there's no intended time period to grieve, right? Like there's no set time period that you should have to grieve or get over a loss. You know, I think just normalizing that too. I think this poem is really nice in normalizing that um, just, cause, w- just with the repetition um, of the days of the week, the months, the weeks, the years. Um, it's a nice way to kind of visualize and normalize that process of learning how to restart Mm
0: -hmm. which I think that this is poem reflects one step in the grieving process Um, and I feel like the next poem our time reflects perhaps the last stage in the grieving process which is acceptance Uh, Sam love you to read this one
1: great this is one of my favorites actually Um, so again this one's called our time there was a time when you were mine and I was yours. Our days filled with laughter and knowing glances. As time moves on, those once fond thoughts slowly slip into memories. Now you are his, and she is mine, but there will always be our time. So that sweet. made me cry a little bit. I'm kind <laughs> yeah. <of tearing> up. <laughs> I love this one because I think, yeah, there's some closure in it. Um, and I think it's just a really sweet recollection of times shared. Um, I think it's a really nice reminder to kind of again like let a good thing be a good thing. And I really think it does showcase kind of emotional maturity, kind of contrasting the poems that we read earlier in the series, right? Like letting love exist as it is, being able to to nourish something that's good, being able to enjoy something that's good, being able to reflect and recollect something that was extremely joyful, but also knowing, like, it's okay that it didn't last. Like, again, we live these really long lives that are very transient. Humans are transient. Relationships are transient. Like, not, you know, nothing truly lasts in this life. Um, And kind of knowing that, but also knowing, like, it's okay that it didn't last and being able to reflect on things. And even though there may be grief and sadness um, and heartbreak, being able to kind of go back and again, think about these days filled with laughter and knowing gla- knowing glances um, and just kind of, yeah, maybe like wrapping that up in a little box and holding onto it and having that yeah. in your back pocket. And even though there's someone new, um, now you're his and she is mine knowing that there's someone new there still can be joy and love for those that were past that doesn't need to cancel each other out
2: yeah it's all to me it's almost like it's like this idea of the things that we've had in the past being sacred you Mm -hmm. know like even even though he's yours and she's mine we'll always have our time or there will always be our time it is really nice to be able to hold on to the idea of even though things change and we grow and we move on this time that we had together is sacred and it always will be you know because time is not linear and it's possible for like all of these things
1: to exist at the same time you know mm-hmm. yeah exactly and knowing that there can be immense love and loss Um, and there's a lot of beauty in both of those Mm -hmm. things and kind of holding everything in the spaces between.
2: Yeah. And we can still hold that time from the past that we were able to spend together. We can still hold the beauty of that and we can still cherish it even though we're excited about these new things that are happening. It doesn't take away from the time that we once had together and it doesn't make it go away.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think also kind of illustrating the emotional maturity of knowing that, um, People have had past loves and relationships and that doesn't, right. that doesn't detract from um, the current one, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still hold immense love for someone in your heart, but also know that that time is past and perhaps, yeah, now you are his and she is mine and that's beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was our last poem. Um, Emma, do you have anything else you want to add? If you like
0: these poems... We have a whole book full of them. (laughs) Uh, Poems for X Lovers has over 70 poetry pieces, 36 art contributions, as well as a beautiful cover and intro for every single chapter. It's available at Back of Beyond Books in Moab, Moonflower, Moab Aid, and online at sockeyepublishing.com That's S-O-C-K-E-Y-E publishing.com We're already looking forward to Making another collective works of anonymous poetry, but you'll have to wait for that one until 2025.
1: Thanks again, KZMU, for having us. My name again is Sam Metzner. I'm Riley Lubich. I'm Emma Renly,
0: and this is Poems Poems for for Ex Lovers. lovers.
1: (laughs) All right, all done, baby. (laughs)
0: Good job, guys. That was really fun. That was really fun. (laughs)